I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is brought to you by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service. As chosen by U.S. News and World Report, Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12. And maybe maybe Arizona football needs a little Nextiva in their life. Countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, a video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12PAC to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news in the home of the Beta-Rank College Football Statistical Model. This is a sharp college football podcast, and we are diving into week five already, week five of Pac-12 football. We're going to review week four. We're going to uh, look into the future and uh, really apply some advanced stats to week five. And I'm joined, as always, by Rob Bowen from Shark College Football. How are you, sir? I'm excited to, uh, to be here. It was, it was an interesting week. And in the Pac-12, it was. It was. I. I don't. I mean, don't want to bring things down, but we, I think the really the story before we get into um, the joy of college football is um, is actually some tragedy that we had at Utah um, with with another player that um, lost his life over the week. And um, gosh, it's, it, anyway, we just wanted to make sure to mention on the podcast because these players have just brought us so much joy over the years. And it's been really a privilege to watch Utah football really come into its own over these last couple of years. And, um, and yet another player that um, lost his life to a gunshot wound, Ron. Yeah. And it terrible that, I mean, and he and, um, you know, Ty Jordan knew each other and just a really sad story. Our condolences go out to his family and of course the extended Utah football family as well. Yeah. And Aaron Lowe was, um, I mean, I think the one thing that really, made it even more difficult was, um, not only that did he know Jordan, but, um, he had the Ty Jordan scholarship. And, um, anyway, it's just, we, we didn't want to record this episode and not mention that because these players are basically superheroes and, um, and just to watch them on the field is always a tremendous amount of fun. And, um, anyway, we'll, well, we'll try the same thing that we've done with Ty Jordan is try to make sure to, to keep their, um, their names, uh, you know, like in, in remembrance and kind of mention them uh, throughout the season. So um, hopefully Utah can, can, you know, um, just continue to um, keep them in their memory and, and use them to uh, just, you know, play hard for them. I, I don't know what else to say, but um, in any case, we're, we're thinking about you guys. And um, if there's anything that we can do, let us know. You know, with that said, Rob, uh, we, we did watch a lot of football 
this past week. Week four was an interesting week. Uh, I, I think I got a little too cute by half with some of my picks, but actually did okay with some of the other ones that that were a little bit more uh, off the radar. I really thought, let's get into our general impressions of this week. I thought that this was going to be a hold your nose and bet the dogs type of week. And it was for the most part, um, but some of the dogs that I picked ended up not being uh, the, the winners and some of the winners ended up being the dogs. And uh, it, I don't know, what did you, what were your general impressions of week four? I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting week. Cause we ended up with, um, you know, like UCLA really showed, <clears throat> I think in particular, you know, on the road, even though there was sort of a late rally by Stanford that, that they are really right now and, and heading into this matchup against ASU, they, they still look like the better, you know, the best of what has turned out to be a little bit of a motley bunch in the South, but, <laughs> um, you know, they, they really came in. You know, they caught a Stanford team, um, you know, that had looked really good in particular the last two weeks and had had really, you know, taken it to USC at home. Um, you know, and and UCLA went in and, and really outgained them. Um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, probably had the game of his career, I would say, you know, putting up two hundred and fifty one yards through the air. Um, they ran the ball really effectively as well. Um, you know, putting up 200 yards rushing. I mean, they, they were, you know, Stanford had some really big plays, um, you know, uh, you know, particularly in that second half to tighten it up, but you know, it was, it was not a, it was, it was for the most part, not a particularly, you know, like, a, you know, close, close game, at least it didn't, I mean, there was definitely the part where Stanford had tightened it to being within a touchdown, but um, UCLA, you know, like, you know, found the gas pedal again. I was, I was just, I was really impressed with their performance. Yeah, I think one of the things that was fascinating for me was, um, and, and it's something that we'll have to keep a lookout for, is UCLA's front seven good? I think it is. And, and, I mean, and, but yeah. one of the problems is you look at Stanford's rushing yards and it's like 59, and that's kind of expected. It's not like Stanford's rushing game has been good this year, but um, I, I just, I'm, re- I'm just really fascinated about that UCLA front sevens, particularly moving into ASU, which we'll cover here in a little bit. One thing that stood out for me, I know we just talked about the bad news out of Utah. But uh, just from on the field, the way that they played Washington State was was not impressive. I, I watched the major- almost all of this game, and uh, I mean it was really kind of tight. And I mean Utah scored 14 points in the fourth quarter, and I mean they're they're playing a Washington State team with an okay defense. I think their front seven is actually fine, but their secondary, I don't think is very good. And they were playing right. against Jared Guantano and like still couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't pull away. I mean, they didn't cover the spread. I mean, they, they, they did, they did pull away at the end and credit to them for putting things together and finally really breaking through. But man, I, I mean, this was a team that I really thought was going to be the likely champion of the Pac-12 South. And this is two games in a row where they've played a team that they should beat and they should beat by you know, like 14 points and they didn't do that in either of these games. And, and, and now they're two and two on the season, Rob. Yeah. I mean, Washington state's going to be, you know, I mean, sure. They're going to get Arizona uh, as well, but Washington state's going to be one of the easier defenses they have left on their schedule. Um, and they didn't impress, you know, and, you know, uh, you know, rising in particular, um, you know, struggled. I mean, only putting up 137 yards through the air. I mean, sure, they, they ran the ball pretty well. I I think that, given how much Utah's offensive line has struggled, 
I'm going to put a little question mark by how much faith I'm going to put in Washington State's front seven. <laughs> but they did run the ball well, you know, in this game, putting up 212. Um, you know, there. I mean, each team turned the ball over three times. So, I mean, they ended up, you know, even on turnovers. Um, but Garantano, I mean, you know, three three picks, that's pretty rough. I mean, but you're, I mean, without Delora, you really expect Utah to be able to, to come in and, and put the game away. And, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, Garantano definitely threw the three picks, but, I mean, he, other than that, I mean, he hit a lot of short stuff. I mean, he only had an average, uh, you know, attempt of 6.9. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible in a, in a lot of ways. And if you took away some of those picks, you know, like they'd be, they would have kept this game a lot closer. Yeah, really interesting event there. And uh, Utah not covering the 14 and a half. And that was, I think it was 14. It got down to 14 is what I ended up betting. I went two and six on the, on the week, by the way. I'm sorry, two and four, two and four. So on the season, 18 and 13 against the spread. So still still in the green, but that was a tough week. One of the things that stood out for me, Rob, was a, a game that I did bet, and that was USC. I mean, they just got straight up beat by Oregon State. And we'll, we'll talk about the game in particular, but we, we, knew, we knew that the run game has always been a mess for USC. And we knew that the wide receiving core was a bit light, but this offense is, has been bad. Um, like, like really not, not surprisingly bad, but I, I guess I would say surprisingly bad in the sense that we knew it wasn't going to be, you know, blow your face off <laughs> type yeah. of offense, but it just seems like the conference has figured out Harrell. Um, and Slovis clearly has, I think he's hit a wall, right. And, and the wide receivers that the core that we thought we'd have at the beginning of the year is certainly not the core we have now. And I mean, I, I, I'm looking at this, this USC Colorado game and I'm, I'm pretty sure SC's going to beat Colorado. I don't think Colorado's going to move the ball, but, um, but, but I took a step back because I think the spread is like eight and I'm like, well, they're not going to be able to, are they going to be able to rush the ball? Probably not. Are they going to be able to right. throw the ball? I mean, I don't know. Like the, the I don't know. This, this might be an under game actually, but, and we'll get to that. But I, I don't know. What did you think about USC's offense and just what, what you're a, you've been seeing this year? No, I mean, it was, I mean, so Slovis has the three picks here. I mean, that's a big, you know, watch out of course, you know, like anytime you see somebody throwing three picks, I mean, USC lost the turnover battle. They were minus two on turnovers that certainly contributed here, but you know, Nolan went out and, and played pretty well. He hit the passes that he needed to hit. Um, but more than anything, I mean, and we we talked about, I think, I don't think until this game was over and I looked at where in the next morning where Beta Rank had moved USC's defense, I really got a real sense of like, oh my gosh, like how bad USC's defense really is this season. Um, you know, I mean, like they let Stanford go in and light them up. They've let Oregon state light them up. And those are two different kinds of attacks, right? I mean, Stanford's going to air it out. Um, Oregon state's going to run, you know, really run the ball down your throat. BJ Baylor had a heck of a game, um, you know, there. And so I was, I mean, Nolan, he himself had two picks, so (laughs) it's not, but, but he really, I mean, he did what he needed to do. I mean, for the most part, but I mean, if you look at that, like you mentioned that USC receiving, I mean, how much more can you ask Drake London to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, Gary Bryant Jr., you've got Katie Nixon. And, and like, I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they haven't been able to scheme more to get Katie Nixon involved, um, you know, but they have they have some talented guys to, to be sitting where they are, um, you know, 
and to you know if you look at Slovis's you know average per attempt, it's only seven point two. I mean, if you have no run game, sure, you do expect you know you absolutely expect you're going to be um, you know you're going to have a lower <clears throat> per because you're going to be looking to hit some short passes in place of a run game, but. You know, it just didn't feel like they have much of a downfield threat at all right now. Um, and as we talked about, I mean, the Beavs, I mean, the offense is good. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I, I feel, com- I mean, I don't know if they're going to finish out where they're currently grading in beta rank, but I think you're looking at like a top 30, top 25 offense for them. And the defense, again, like we're not talking about an amazing defense that you see USC couldn't keep up with, right? Like, I mean, you really, I mean, I would say like, there's not much more to do. They already fired their head coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was, I was a little, so I mean, I wasn't, I, I definitely, I mean, I had the beeves in this game, you know, beta rank had this closer than Vegas, but, uh, I, you know, I wasn't quite expecting them to come out and just be able to run all over USC. The way they did. Yeah. No, I, I had the under and it, and it was Oregon state that slayed my ender, not USC. <laughs> that was, that was oh, pretty yeah. frustrating to watch. Um, hey, wh- one more other big picture here. What, what do you want to throw out before we get into the games? Uh, I mean, I thought the, you know, like the other sort of big picture, if you will, was the, um, I mean, I don't want to like, like we'll, we'll get to the other, like the, the Arizona thing, like all of a sudden some signs of life. But um, I thought the other big picture was that yet again, Colorado just had no, offense right and that you're you're looking at it you're looking at a team that man it just almost feels bleak um for this colorado team i mean they're they're gonna they're gonna have a real shot to to go up against arizona to see who gets a conference win oh it is really depressing watching that team um i thought 14 and a hook they keep things you know close and now asu scored 14 points in the fourth quarter so things were looking pretty for a while but the lack of scoring of course from colorado which i you know i assumed but if you told me that they scored 13 points it's like ah they might be able to keep asu under um under what they need to to be able to cover the spread and just kind of slowly and methodically at the end of the game um or throughout the game right like they scored basically a touchdown a quarter and then an extra one at the end of the game to uh, put that over the top. So, I mean, kudos to ASU. I think Colorado's defense is better than uh, I think a lot of people think it is. I don't think it's like a powerhouse or anything. But um, yeah. but if you can't move the ball, it just puts so much more pressure on your defense. And it's not like Colorado's super deep. So, um, congratulations to ASU well, winning that game. Mm-hmm. Jane Daniels, I mean, again, they've got him going in the run game. I mean, that's yeah. the thing they're doing this year. And it's working. I mean, he, he averaged 10 per carry. You know, seven rushes, 75 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's a real weapon that we haven't seen. I mean, in, in his prior two years, they didn't really unleash him much on the run game. Um, and I think it's something we talked about coming into this season that would, could help offset some of his downfield limitations. Uh, it's really, I think, opened up this offense considerably. Oh, I'm totally taking them against Utah. Um, who has really struggled <laughs> to stuff mobile quarterbacks. A mobile year. quarterback, yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob, enough of the general talk. Let's get into our preview of week five, and then let's take a look back at all of the box scores and the games and the breakdowns of week four, and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Week five. Beta ranks cooking one more week, right? Until it pops out of the oven with the with all the data. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're. I mean, it, there. If you looked at this week, like because we drop FCS games, there are teams that really only after this week still only had three games in the system, you know, in, in the data. So uh, one more week, and I think we're going to call it good and, and roll out the full season data. I did do. I did check. What did a unweighted run of beta rank look like after this week and it was it was still a little there's still a little too much variance for my taste so um <laughs> we'll we'll hopefully have it after this week to be sort of the full in-season data if not i expect we're going to be like 80 percent in-season data at the very least i think this week five slate is fascinating there's three really good games and two intriguing games just kind of like barometer games for a couple teams here where do you want to start uh Let's do, I mean, I, I want to start out from the, 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 I mean, there's a couple really good games, one of which I'm doing Saturday 6, which is ASU-UCLA, which feels like for, you know, like con, like early control, the, the, the leadership seat in the Pac-12 South. But I think the most interesting game is Washington-Oregon State. Yeah, let's go nerdball. Let's go like hipster Pac-12 podcast into Washington-Oregon State. I do think that that game is fascinating. And Oregon State opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite and is now a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Washington. This game's at 6 p.m. And when we take a look back at what happened last week, Rob, I think uh, my mind goes to the Washington-Cal game because uh, that game hit the under, so that was that was exciting. And Cal covered, which was exciting. Still lost the game, but this was a close one for a while. Well, I mean, like yeah. obviously it wasn't went to overtime, but like you know, it was, it was back and forth. It wasn't like one team came back. It was, it just seemed like it was a, a a good it was a good good old football game where both teams were really um, really plugging away. No, I mean, and it, I really I think to give you an idea too. I mean, Cal, you know, had three turnovers in this game, and Washington only had one. So at home. You know, Washington ends up getting taken to overtime by a Cal team that was minus two on turnovers. I mean, that's pretty rough. Um, you know, Cal found a way to outgain the Huskies in this game by a, a pretty good margin. Um, you know, like if you if you sort of open up the hood on this game, um, you know, Chase Garbers, even with the two picks, I, I thought played pretty well. I mean, 30 or 41 against this Washington secondary um, throwing for 319 is not bad. Um, and they, you know, Garver's really added a lot in the run game as well. Um, you know, and I, I think that was, and I, I thought that I thought this Cal team, if you were going to say like, to me, like how did, how do they game plan to, to really, you know, stick it to Washington in this game? I thought they would try to run a and B gap, like what we saw Michigan do, uh, against this Washington defense. Um, and it, I don't think Cal had the offensive line to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way sort of Michigan did, uh, you know, against this Washington team, but I mean, this Washington, I mean, it, this, this feels like a game that if, if you took away the turnovers, I think Cal wins on the road, you know, like that, if, if you put these teams, even on turnovers, I think Cal had it going enough because Washington, just, if you look at the, you know, look at their, both the box score or what they were averaging, you know, in, in the run game, I mean, this offense is really big trouble. They're being, they're, they're, 
right now, one of the things to do, if you go look at beta rank, um, look at the overall metric, you know, for the, for the unit, but then look at the underneath metrics, the, the drive efficiency and explosive drives. Um, you know, Washington has some, there's still some preseason weight. They've only got three games in. Um, so it's about half preseason weight still for them. Um, they're at 23 and, uh, right now, but they're likely going to drop somewhere into the fifties or sixties. Once we go full in season data, they are, this offense is really, really struggling and they're at 96 in effective rush. They just can't run the football. No, no. I mean, at 25 for about 80 against Cal, right? That, that was the thing where I was right. hesitant to, I mean, I took Cal, but the reason I was hesitant on taking him was like, well, you know, I think Washington is going to be able to move the ball on the ground against Cal. You know, that, that's kind of the one area where you can really get them. And that wasn't the case. I just, I mean, yeah, two touchdowns for Sean McGrew and congratulations and all that. But at the end of the day, man, this, it's just so it's, it's just, it's weird to watch. It's, it's just a weird watch. And, and the good thing though, is Dylan Morris was able to move the ball through the air for the most part, about 230 yards, two touchdowns. But that's where we thought they might, I thought he might, I mean, not break out, but like, I guess that's, I guess that's true. Going back and listening, I think I said like 250 yards, but it, it wasn't like this Cal secondary is something to be feared. And, no. um, I don't know, 24 points in, uh, in regulation. I mean, they, they went to overtime and I still hit the under <laughs> this game. I mean, we, we talked about this, right? I mean, like what this Cal team, Nevada came in and threw on him. TC ran on him. Um, this is not an intimidating, particularly intimidating defense. I mean, uh, for the golden bears. I mean, and they're, I mean, it stinks for them to be one and three and sort of be done in, but you know, turnovers on the road. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I will say kudos to Washington for really kind of figuring out how to get it done. And the defense, you know, had a pretty, I mean, overall, I think even if you look at guard, you know, the numbers Garbers put up, I think the defense had a pretty good day. Um, they certainly did not get a lot of field position help from the offense, you know, too. So I just, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know. I mean, this Washington team, I still mostly like the defense, but um, this is a, this is going to be a, this is going to be a tough matchup for them. This, this Oregon state offense is, is uh, like they're at 14 in beta rank right now. Um, the reason they're so high is not any preseason projection. The reason they're so high is because their in season numbers are pretty darn good. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious what you think. So by the way, Let's, let's talk about the Beavers real fast. We covered the game a little bit before, um, but we're going to talk about Oregon State side. And then once we get to USC's game, we'll, we'll talk about them. Uh, Chance Nolan, 213 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Uh, but really, the story was on the ground. Holy Moses. <laughs> like More than 300 yards against uh, yeah. USC's front seven. Um, and I'm curious, Rob, about the Beavers and their run offense rank, because I think that they've been like hot or cold. Like I, I was, I, I was just blown away that they won this game on the ground. I really thought if they were going to win, it would be through the air. And, and that absolutely was not the case. Um, where do they rank nationally when it comes to their rushing defense so far in beta rank? So the bees rushing offense right now comes in at 13 and effective rush. Okay. Going over Washington's defense comes in an effective rush. Yeah. <laughs> I see 53. What- 56 after, I mean, cause Michigan ran all over him. Montana ran the ball pretty well against them. I mean, Cal for reasons I that have to, I mean, it just must be the offensive line. Like there's no way you would choose to scheme if you could, if you could run the ball easily, you, that you wouldn't do it. But 
Um, I mean, Washington's still good. I mean, they're at number five in effective pass, but um, you know, they've certainly got their, uh, they could have their work cut out for them. This B, we, we've talked about this. Jim Mahalchuk, the offensive line coach for the Beavers is really good. They do have some experience coming back, um, you know, and it, it does feel like Nolan, you know, even if he, even if he's adding something in the run game himself, I, I, I think is, is at least understands what the offense is doing. And I don't know. I feel like it feels like we talk about this a little bit. There's a, I was talking to Hipplet, our friend about, you know, we were talking about the Arizona game and he was wondering how in the world, um, Jed fish thought Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer were actually good enough to play in a college football game. Um, and that's a good question. But Jed Fish is like, of course, not the only coach that started out the season with the wrong quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, David Shaw did it at Stanford, Oregon State. I mean, Washington you took State. This, yeah. Well, I mean, but you take this, you know, this uh, this Oregon State team as they are playing now with Nolan. I mean, I think they beat Purdue by ten. Yeah. I, well, here here's a question for you on that because I think it'll be one of the keys to the game. What's Purdue's rush defense? Because I watched that entire game. And I was like, this, and I know it's the first game. It was on the road, et cetera, et cetera. But just watching that, I'm like, this team doesn't have it in terms of being able to get a run game going because they were just stuffed over and over and over again against Purdue. And then the next couple of games, it's like Hawaii and Idaho, and you don't quite know. And then, right. and then they pop, you know, USC for like 340 yards. What's, what's Purdue's rush defense? Uh, their rush rank is 30. And their defense right now, oddly enough, is grading out really well. Okay. Um, now we'll see how that holds up, but they have, so this isn't, that is not for Purdue. That's not preseason data. Their defense has struggled. They actually had fired Nick Holt, former PAC 12 defensive coordinator, Nick Holt. Um, they had fired him. They have a new DC. They had hired a new DC and, and it looks to be working. We'll see. I mean, again, too, like Purdue's going to get a bump because they were able to contain the beeves, even though the model doesn't know, of course, that like, you know, Oregon states, you know, one or two quarterbacks beyond who they were playing, who they were playing Purdue. And, and what's the beaver defense at? You know, they're, so they're, they are, if you look at their underlying numbers right now, so they're at 92 overall. But their underlying numbers are a little better. They they struggled last year defensively. Their projection defensively is not great. Um, but I think if you if they were all in season data right now, they'd probably be falling somewhere in the low 60s, which isn't bad um, considering some of the numbers that they've had. That's still a very bad Power Five defense. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, like compared, yeah, they, I mean they've certainly compared to where sense. they've been. That's not a bad place to find themselves. Um, they're at 79 and effective rush 105 and effective pass. Now Washington, because we have some of this pre Washington's just recruited so well at beta rank, basically the projection model says when you recruit this well, you shouldn't think this much. Um, and so they, they were projected to have a better offense than they do. Um, they're, they're at number 96 and effective rush. They're at seven and effective pass, but all beta rank is trying to do is trying to figure out how to allocate that offensive number they're at between their run and their pass game. I think that, I think that pass game number is pretty inflated by the preseason projections. still. I mean, they're, they're in 70 at negative drives, you know, too many three and outs, too many turnovers. They're in 99 and explosive drives, just not enough big plays. Their yards per play number, their play efficiencies at 122. Hmm. This is this offense is really struggling, you know, and they're only putting up right now. And I mean, other than you could maybe say Michigan, 
they haven't faced like a murderer's row of defenses. <laughs> and even with that Arkansas State game at a raw level, they're only putting up 2.32 points per drive. Oregon State's giving up 2.36. So in theory, Washington, but I mean, you know, it's like, again, like, I think Oregon State's going to have a worse defense from than Cal, but I don't think Cal is some really good defense. So, so here's a question, because I think the way that Washington wins this game is through the air. If you take a look at yep. Oregon State and what they've done, right? They've they've given up 355 to USC, they gave up 326 to Hawaii, and they gave 300 up to Purdue. And like neither of those, I mean, USC obviously is the team that's going to throw the ball the most, but the other teams, for the most part, like that, that's, that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of yards to give up to those teams. But does Dylan Morris have it, <laughs> right? Like, is he going to be able to carry this team on the road? I don't know, man. Like when this, when this spread came out and it was two and a half for the beeves as a favorite, I was like, yeah, that, mm, that, that actually makes a little bit of sense here. Now it's dropped to one and yeah. Ah, I, so, so let's, let's do the game. So can, um, can Washington throw all over Oregon state? I think they can throw, but I don't, I mean, would you say, would you expect at the end of this Dylan Morris to have 350 yards with, you know, an average of above nine and three touchdowns? No, I think he does 302. (laughs) A 300 yard, I mean, three, like, 300 yards and two touchdowns. I think I think he's good for that in this game, but he's probably gonna have some picks. And then, and then I mean, because uh, like the, I mean, the, the, they're gonna sell this game out. I mean, the views are, you know, and I lo- I like I I mean I it's I think the the key to this game is actually like I think Washington's offense is good enough to get to like 21 ish points on the road against the Beavs. Yeah. Um, the key to the game for me though, is, is the, the Beavers running game. If they can run, if they can run the ball against Washington, I mean, so here's the, like Washington stayed in that two high safety look and still had their players, you know, uh, outside their linebackers lined up shading outside to control outside run. Even as Michigan just ran the ball down their throats up the middle. And they didn't adjust. They didn't do a darn thing. <laughs> and still didn't bring safeties down into the box. You know, didn't try to pack the middle of the defense. Which is insane. They down. threw the ball like five times in that game. Michigan I know. Did. And Michigan was like, oh, I guess they're not going to do anything. All right. Well, let's just keep doing this. You know what's time. funny? It's the same thing that they criticized Mike Leach for at Washington State. Right? It doesn't change up the play. Playbook. I know they didn't do a darn. They didn't do. They they rode their two high safety defense into their doom. Um, and yeah, exactly. That's so they go they go do that. Um, I mean, in this game, I mean, I th- I think the interior of that beef's offensive line is actually the strength of that offensive line, and I I think they can. And that I mean, so Beta Rank has Washington basically because if you had this as a there's no preseason projection in there. Um, Oregon state would be favored in the model um, because of the preseason projection. And I'm not, I think it's still right to have in there. Washington is favored by about five, you know, on the road. I, it's, it's a tough one for me. I mean, I, I, I still think Washington's defense is really good. I think, I think USC's defense is really, really bad. 
under like under the under the hood, I think when you look at the numbers, I think USC's defense is really, really bad. I'm gonna take Washington. It sounds I, I want to take the beef so bad. I do. I and it's gonna be on the road, and Dylan Morris is gonna have to throw that ball. Um I don't know if Oregon State's there yet. Like this is a big game. And I do think Washington's yeah. defense will be able to I mean, they're certain like Oregon State is certainly not racking up 300 yards on the ground. I think it's 150, and I don't yeah. know if Nolan has it. So I'm going to take Washington. I know this is such a trap line, but like it's it's not if you're like a Pac-12 hipster because I want to I want to take Oregon State so bad. Oh, I, I know. I think the under is actually the play here. 57 and a half. That's a lot of points. Um, I think well, this, so mm-hmm. Nolan's interesting, right? Because like if he's able to add anything with his legs, like holy Moses, like that oh, could yeah. really crack this. But you th- I also feel like he's good for two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's though I forgot about the legs. Like that's. Yeah. Whew. I, I mean, it's a t- I mean, the special teams are, are both about equal. They're both, you know, Oregon State's at 30. Washington's at 32. Um, I mean, Washington just has a, a truly hideous, hideous offense. Um, and I do. I, I like what the Beavs have been able to put up. Um I think, I mean, I, but I got, I got to go with Washington here as much as it frustrates. Like, I just think, I think Oregon state is going to put up more yards. I think they will be done in by turnovers in the same way that Cal was. If you're going to take wash uh, Oregon, you should take the under because what, what will happen is Oregon state's going to like, if, if Washington can't move the ball on the ground, that, that stadium is going to be so loud. And they're gonna and Morris is gonna have to throw that ball and he's gonna have to sling it around like I've never seen him do before. And um I just think that that could lead to issues. So anyway, oh, yeah. I, if Washington if Washington finishes in the negative territory and turnover turnovers, they're gonna lose this game. That's so gross. Like if Washington finishes minus one or minus two in turnovers, there's a large random component to them. I mean, if they finish that way, they're done. This is such a great game. Who who are you taking? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Huskies. I just I still think the one thing that I have a ton of faith in is for the most part, even though I know they have a little bit of a soft middle, is the Washington defense. I don't like this pick at all, but I'm gonna I'm like holding my nose and taking the the dog here, which sounds so bizarre, Washington and Oregon State. All right, we spent like an hour on this game. Uh where do you want to go next? Something we could do quickly. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Not, I mean, there's a bunch of good games this week, though. Um, let's do. You want to do Cal Washington State? Okay, yeah, we can do that. So uh, Washington State 13, Utah 24 in their game. Um, I, I watched. I watched the majority of this game. It was just. It was just gross. Uh, I, I really didn't like any of it. <laughs> Uh, and it was, you could tell that Washington state was just hindered. They weren't able to move the ball, uh, through the air. And that was a problem. I mean, they did get 200, 250, but if you watch that game, it was just like, I, I think Utah just was able to kind of do what it needed to do to keep that offense in check. Um, you know, again, Max Borgie six for 42 on the ground. They just, you know, whatever, they don't want to give the ball to him and that's fine. Um, Macintosh actually had the majority of the carries. Um, but it just, it just felt like that, that offense was just kind of, um, like it was, uh, it was, um, like staggering through the game. And that really ended up hurting the, the defense because Utah was finally able to get things done. Um, not really, not really a great showing by Cam Rising, <laughs> you know, 137 yards, about 50%. 
Um, TJ Pledger, though, was the one that really carried the load. 10 for 117. Um, I don't know, man. Like, do we know if Delore is going to be in this game? I haven't heard anything. Me I mean, I, I think it makes a bit of a difference, but I don't know that I would. I think it makes a lot of difference. I think I think when he's in the game, they're able to move the ball. And I don't I don't really trust Cal's defense that much. I think if he's in, like if he's in the game, I might take the points, like seven and a half. Uh because I think the defense might be okay for Washington State, which sounds bizarre, right? Like that is a that is a bold statement. I mean, like there's there's <laughs> I mean, they, well, I'll tell you what is they are at 79 overall Yeah. right now. That's not if good. Un, but, and it, no, but if it was unweighted, they'd probably be right in that range too. Um, if you look at the, uh, the underlying uh, metrics that are straight in season data right now, they're at 105 and effective rush. They're at 39 and effective pass. So if you're going to do anything, you got to run against. I mean, like if you're going to really do something, run against. Yeah, everything's relative. Um, I mean, how bad is that? How bad is Washington's offensive line? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, not Washington. I'm sorry. I mean, how bad is Utah's offensive line? Or like that? Like they had to like, I mean, they, like that they were able to finally turn it on, and it was a, like an effective a team that is this bad against the run as Washington State is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I take that back. My my Washington State's defense being good comment. I mean, I, they're no, not, no, but they're at thirty nine in effective pass. I mean, the effective pass hasn't been bad for them. Yeah, they're Just not a little surprised. I assumed that they were going to be a disaster at the beginning of the year, and they have it. I, I that's kind of that's kind of the point I was trying to make. But but yeah, you're yeah. right. Utah's offensive line, holy Moses! Like they should have just they should have done whatever they wanted on the ground, and they didn't. Uh, now it was enough to win them the game. But I mean, there was three yeah. interceptions by Guarantano in this game. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, what are you doing, Utah? Holy goodness. Um, all right, let's flip on the other side here. We just talked about Washington and what they were able to do. Um, let's talk a little bit about Cal. You know, if, if you're a Cal fan, what are your takeaways from that Washington game? I mean, you're bummed. I mean, you're really bummed. I mean, I'd be bummed to to really kind of – you feel like you gave the game away. Um, I mean, you had this Washington team on the ropes. You come back to tie it, and then you lose it in overtime. Um, and really, if you look at the box score, I mean, it's, it's turnovers that, that kept the Huskies in it. Um, and Garbers, Garbers played pretty well. I mean, the two interceptions really hurt. Um, and they were, I mean, Garbers, I mean, what, what's troubling, I think, is that like their offensive line, I mean, against this Washington offensive or, you know, defensive front that was a little soft in the middle, they struggled, but man, the defense for them, I mean, even with, because Washington does not have Washington full on does not have a great offense. Um, I mean, Cal's this is these are these are the worst defensive rankings I've like. There's Cal's entirely being held up at number thirty nine right now by their projection because they're at eighty one at drive efficiency, sixty eight in explosive drives, one hundred in play efficiency, and forty four in negative drives. That is a that's gross. Very, very bad power five defense. Um, that is, they're going to, this is, they're going to grit. Like there's a possibility at the end of the season, if these numbers and trends continue, that this defense would grade out worse than Washington state or worse than Oregon state. And uh, I mean, John Brown seems to be doing like Cal, Cal could be in the running for the worst defense in the pac 12 this season. I am. Um, 
I think so. I, I think it's hard to make a pick of this game because I don't know if Delore is there. If Delore is there, I think that they can compete. And if you're going to give me a hook yeah. against Cal, I mean, I don't think this Washington State. I've come around a little bit on this team. I I don't like it, but I don't I don't think it's a as much of a mess as I had anticipated. And well, Cal, Cal split. They're at sixty five and effective pass. So if Delora can play, then this Washington State offense is a different animal. And I think that they can compete. I think you're right. And I, it's seven and a half, seven and a half. Yeah. Seven and a half. Give me the kooks. Let's, let's live dangerously. <laughs> okay. Um, Beta, Race, Beta Race got it, you know, with Washington state on the road at 6.95. I just don't want to make a pick unless, until I know who the quarterback is. I think it's that big of a difference. Like, oh no, it's an immense difference. Like Washington state is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it, but, Their numbers right now, offensively, like, they're at 84 in drive efficiency, 129 in explosive drives, 112 in play efficiency, 121 in negative drives. They're it, entirely held up by their preseason projection right now. Um, their offense has been hideous. If it's Delora, I would take the over. It's 51 and a half. That's pretty low. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I think Washington State will be able to put up points against Cal with Delora, and they won't be able to without him. And I think Cal will be able to score against Washington State. Um, I, I mean, the offense isn't like it's not going to blow the doors off of anybody, but it's. I think would you would you describe Cal's offense as competent? Yeah, I mean, they're not. Uh, I think they're better than certainly we were expecting, right? I mean, um, they're at they're where they're struggled is drive efficiency. They haven't really been able to put together long drives and sustain them to put up points, but 35 and explosive drives, 31 and uh, negative drives, 23 in, in play efficiency. They probably settle out right now somewhere around like 40 something, but I think that this drive efficiency number can get better for them. Really. I mean, the turnovers are just killing. Them. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on. We have some other games to get to. Let's get to them right after this. All right, we're back. We got to do it, Rob. This is this is the game. Arizona State at Pasadena. They're a three point underdog against UCLA. This is a fun game. Um, oh, I, yeah, I love this matchup. And after dark, you know, so there's going to be a lot of eyes on this game. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I mean, th- this is going to be legit. Oh no, this is this is this is this is a really really fun matchup. I mean, it's a bummer that each of these teams took a, you know, a little bit of a stub of their toe in the last week of non-conference, but this is a really fun game. Um, let's take a look at what, uh, what both teams were able to do. Um, ASU beat Colorado. I got too cute on this one, Rob. I thought 14 and a hook would be enough. I thought that Herm, you know, wasn't going to drive up the score. And I was in this, I was in this until the very end when ASU really started to pull away. I mean, they were the better team. And, and really the story of this game was more, how bad Colorado's offense was. We'll get back to that. Um, but like you mentioned, Rob, I think the secondary story here was uh, Jaden Daniels being able to do what he needed to do um, to, to keep ASU, you know, at arm's length, 75 yards on the ground, two touchdowns yeah. um, and, and did exactly enough, which I think is going to be the theme this year um, for Daniels, 18 right. to 25, 236. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, this is him running is the dimension this offense really needed because, you know, if you, if he has to, you know, open the, if he has to open things up for them vertically, he's going to struggle a little bit with that. Right. So adding him in the run game where you now have to account for a potential extra rusher or him tucking it and running it, you know, if, if nobody's open, 
That really does open things up for this ASU team. And I think it opens things up even for Daniels in the passing game. I think it's been a really important you know, pickup for them. He still gets a lot of yards, you know, after the catch from his receivers. Um, but uh, I mean, the, 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 it looks I mean, they look good. I mean, this, this offense looks pretty good right now. I mean, that's, that's, what's kind of fun coming into this is you have two offenses that are, you know, starting to starting to really put it together. And, in a lot of ways too, I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson is running the ball more effectively this year than we've seen him in the past too, adding a dimension to, to UCLA. I'm going to push back on the the offense looking good for ASU. Um, not, not fully. I, th- I think there were some encouraging parts, right? Daniel's on the ground, encouraging. Yeah. I liked how they were able to get like actual yards out of their wide receivers this time, right? So like they had passes for 37, 30, 28, and 26, which is what I wanted to see with this ASU team, particularly with the receiving core that they've recruited over time. But the thing that makes me a little bit worried was they needed a trick play to get some momentum in this game. Um, and it was yeah. a beautiful trick play and I appreciated it. And I'm glad that Herm was able to do it. Um, so I'm not like poo-pooing trick plays. I'm just saying like, if this game was just played at the level that it was until that play, this was kind of a grind for, for both teams. And when you take a look at the rushing game here, I mean, white Nagata, uh, they combined for, was it like 20, 20 carries for like 65 yards or 70 yards or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Now that could be Colorado's front seven. I actually think Colorado's front seven is fine. Um, yeah. I mean, this was a front seven that gave up like 7,000 yards to Minnesota, but still, I still think that the, you know, I kind of was hoping that was why I bet on Colorado. I thought they were going to be able to kind of bottle up that run game, but Daniels was the one that pulled them. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not as big of a fan of this offense. And I think that they're the front seven of UCLA is going to be, I think it's good. Like, and if yeah, they, here's the, yeah. di- here's the difference in this game, right? Is that, so ASU comes in they're most, they really rely on explosive plays. I mean, they, they have not been a terribly efficient draw offense in their drive efficiency. They're currently grading out. This is going to change. Of course, as more data comes in, but at one Oh six, they're 14 in explosive drives. Um, I mean, they're, they're, and they're 19 in effective rush versus 55 in effective pass. The difference is, is you know what UCLA is really good at? Front seven. Their effective rush is 16. Yeah. Um, they struggled against the pass a bit more. 61 in effective passes you've seen with like where LSU was able to move the ball, where Fresno was able to move the ball against them. I mean, it's, I mean, it's what Stanford's going to do to move the ball. Um, you know, they they've they've been better against the run. That's what I think. But then you flip it around. And of course, everyone knows, right? Like UCLA is also going to run the ball, right? They're at 18 in effective rush. Man, Arizona State without Jermaine Lowell, they're at 50 in effective rush right now. Um, really? Yeah, I mean that's that like their teams, they're they're at 29 in effective pass. Um, you know, they're a little more, they're a little softer against the run. Oh, that's and I and surprising. I do think too. I mean. Like I mean, the difference in that BYU game was 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 it was Hall, right? Mm-hmm. Being mobile. Yeah. I, th- I mean, Thompson, Rob. I mean, that's true. I mean, I, you could almost talk yourself into whichever quarterback has the bigger game on the ground and doesn't throw interceptions. That's the team that wins the game, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Between these, because they feel I mean almost like mirror images of each other right now in a way offensively. But I just I think offensively, I think I have a little more faith in UCLA and I just, I do think that they're going to be able to, I think they are going to be able to run the ball on this ASU defense. Now ASU's got Marvin Lewis. That's a really good defensive coordinator. You know, they're certainly going to have a plan to try to show up 
and slow down UCLA. But if in order to like, I think one of the big differences in this game would be that if, if ASU has to bring down players into, you know, into the box to contain UCLA's run game, I think Chip Kelly's really going to make you pay. Um, and that's what his offense is looking for, right? Is to then take shots, you know, hit seam shots to the tight end, um, you know, and, and really burn you. I, I mean, I think ASU could do that, but I don't, I don't think that they have to, I don't think that they're going to have to bring down additional players to at least hold their ground. I think ASU is going to get the, get, get their yards in the run game, particularly from Daniels. But I, I just, I don't think that they're going to be so dominant that UCLA has to give up, you know, and bring a safety down or something like that. Yeah. I, um, and you know, just taking a look at UCLA's game over Stanford, 35 to 24. And I mean, this, this UCLA won the way that we thought that if they were going to win this game, it was going to win, which is through yeah. the ground. Zach Charbonnet, 24 for 118. Uh, Burton Brown had a great game. Robinson was, you know, like he had two touchdowns, uh, only 31 yards on 17 attempts, but he was able to uh, at least punch the ball in. Uh, but really, I think the story is I'm starting to to be more, I'm starting to trust Robinson more. Now, you know, we did see him throw the ball backwards uh, when he was playing Fresno State, yeah. so that's still there. But in terms of his decision-making, throwing the ball forward, Rob, um, right. I've just seen a lot lot more maturity. And I, I kind of think that's, that Stanford's secondary isn't terrible. I think they're actually a decent unit. And 250 with two touchdowns, no picks, like, that's great. That's exactly what you want if you're UCLA. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're looking to be able to just – add, add something to your run game, right. Um, with Thompson Robinson and he, he did it right. I mean, averaging 8.7 on his tosses, um, throwing for 251. That's really good. You know, uh, and you, when you combine that with what they were able to do on the ground, getting two uh, 204 on the ground. Um, you know, I think that's great. And, and Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't, he ran pretty often. He had 16. If you, I mean, there's some sacks in there, of course, yeah. but, um, you know, like he wasn't a major factor in the run game. You know, he he still can be though. You know, like you'd like him. You know, as a, as a runner, still he's a, he's a really talented athlete. Still, um, I thought one of the other stories of the game was though was that, you know, I thought I thought UCLA did a pretty good job slowing Stanford down and forcing them into a lot more three and outs and getting off the field than you expected. I do think um, in the, the beginning of that game though, like so McKee almost had three hundred and three touchdowns, no picks. That that could have easily been three fifty and four touchdowns if he could have hit the broadside of the barn that first quarter. Like he was yeah. awful. <laughs> like I think the first like three drives had nothing to do with UCLA's defense and everything to do with Tanner McKee not settling down. And then he finally did as, as the game went along. But I mean, I hear you. Like right uh, on the ground, they couldn't get stuff done. But that first quarter was so so brutal. And those, those wide receivers are open. (laughs) Like they were, were, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to throw and do like a tight spot. It was more just, Oh Lord almighty, you hit the, the strength and conditioning coach, like four rows into the sideline. It was that bad. No, you're, I mean, when he, when he settled down in the second half, they really did hit some big plays, um, you know, against this UCLA defense. But I just, I, I think when it comes down to it against ASU, I mean, I like the Bruins at home. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a tight one. I mean, Beta Rank's got UCLA at four point eight four, um, and what's the what's the current line? 
It's three. UCLA three. is favored by three. Yeah, I mean, I I like UCLA. I mean, I th- I think it's likely closer to to four. Um, you know, or 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 maybe a little more. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take UCLA. This is a game that I bet, and I feel gross because I'm looking at all of these. And am I going all favorites this week? I haven't done this all all year, and I, I think I did it like once last. No, no, week. we picked Washington. Washington's not favored. Oh yeah, we took Washington, and we'll, I I will take Washington State if Delores in the game. All right, I feel better. I feel, I feel I almost felt like I had to take a shower for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh no, well, like don't be that guy where you're taking all. I mean, it's a tough week though, because I mean, if you're looking across it, like when I got done running the model, I was like, man. I mean, I, I you look at this and you think like any of these games, one or two turnovers, and and that's it. Like the game's gonna turn. Like they're all pretty tight. Yeah. I, I think this is one of the best ones to do this week because I like exactly for the reasons that you said, Rob, um, I don't trust Delora through the air and I like the front seven and I think, I think UCLA will be able to move the ball. So, yeah. um, okay, cool. So what we're both taking UCLA, let's go, yep. let's do Oregon Stanford. Cause that game's going to be friggin' awesome. I think Oregon's going to win. I think Oregon's going to win and cover by the way, <laughs> spoiler alert. But um, I do think this is an interesting game because Stanford is going to really challenge that secondary. And I mean, certainly they're not going to be as good as Ohio state was. Um, but I do think, Oh, by the way, the sec, the, the safeties for Oregon, I think have combined for seven interceptions so far, which is, well, I mean, let's not, I mean, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona gifted him five. Oh, picks. that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it makes things a little bit easier. <laughs> like, I mean, it's uh, many of which were comedic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Okay, all right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yes, like absolutely, those do count. And oddly enough, Oregon may have needed some of them uh, against Arizona. But my God, like, no, no, I'm I'm totally with you. And um and. And I was laughed and mocked and shunned and tarred and feathered for taking Arizona. They covered. Um, you did. And you don't know. No. I mean, like my smart pick last week was Oregon State. And you took the Wildcats in what I thought was madness. <laughs> they looked bad. I mean, and they made this a game for a long time until, and you watched some of this. Um, I, I don't think I watched we, it twice to make sure that what I saw was real. I went back and watched it this morning when I was on the exercise bike on that pack 12 in 60. Uh-huh. And, um, it was Arizona moved the football. I was talking to him today about it. He said, I mean, the strangest, I mean, this is like getting like into like deep cut football here, but like, Jed Fish basically rolled out an entirely new set of plays that he hadn't run in any of the other games before. (laughs) Which is like, I mean, I get like if you were like a good team, why you'd save your good stuff for Oregon. But like, I don't get like, if you're just going to get like shellacked by San Diego state, you weren't like, Oh no, like we should maybe try the good plays guys. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Jordan McLeod, uh, one touchdown, five interceptions. Um, they were able to run the ball on the ground and McLeod was able to move on the ground 64 yards. Uh, I liked how Anderson, uh, I think it's Derek Anderson, the Northwestern transfer. Uh, I, I thought it, the, the team looked a little better. It was just, just awful, awful decision-making like you mentioned. Um, but flipping it around, Rob, like if you're Oregon, are you like, I'm not panicking, right? This, this was a throwaway game. Um, and I know, I know it got close for a little bit. But Brown was still able to throw three touchdowns. I know he didn't have a great completion rate. Um, they were still able to move the ball on the ground. Um, they pulled away. Are you? Would you be? Um, 
Would you be worried or anything if you're an Oregon fan? Here's the thing. I wouldn't worry too much about the offense. I'd be worried about the defense. And, but like, I, I want to treat this as a hiccup until we see Oregon play this weekend and Arizona play in two weeks. I want to treat this as like, all right, we saw something weird in the data. <laughs> Let's not overreact. <laughs> you know? Um, and then, uh, and then come back and, and see, right? Because I mean, you, Arizona, I mean, McLeod threw, if you saw the, the game, I mean, he threw some, I mean, just hideous interceptions. But he threw hideous interceptions, not just in the middle of the field. He threw hideous interceptions when Arizona was knocking on the door. Yeah. You know, of, of scoring, you know, more than once. Um, this game could have been a lot closer. Um, and I think, I do think Arizona's offensive line played the best we've seen them play this season. Um, I think McLeod made a lot better decisions. I think Jed Fish called a better game. I just don't, I mean, I just want to treat this as a blip. <laughs> like, oh, Arizona showed up. All right, let's see if that happens again. Um, but I think if you're, an, if you're an Oregon fan, it is a concern because this Arizona offense has been god-awful. Um, you know, I mean, yes, Jordan McLeod, you have a new quarterback. Apparently, we had an, almost an entirely new playbook <laughs> come out. But like still the fact that, you know, like we spent the last three weeks watching Arizona, you know, with quarterbacks holding the ball probably because they couldn't make decisions on their own. But, um, you know, like McLeod got the ball out. Oregon played a lot of the same soft zone. We've seen teams run pretty successfully. BYU, San Diego State, <laughs> NAU run pretty successfully against Arizona. And McLeod hit his passes. And you're right. They ran the ball pretty well yeah. uh, in this game too. Now they struggled a little bit more to the outside. Um, I mean, Drake Anderson did have one good run to the outside, but I mean, I thought if you, I think if you're Oregon, like I wouldn't sweat it too much with Brown. He, they tended to take some pretty deep shots with him um, too, but there was some chatter from Oregon fans. I mean, including folks that we know that are not sort of prone to fan esque overreaction. And, you know, some folks we know that watch a lot of tape, um, and people are not, are, are a little down on Brown after the, uh, the Stony Brook game and, and this game. Oh, get out of here. Um, get out of here. No, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I feel like, uh, I think they're kind of wondering if Ty Tom, you know, if, if, you know, the Ty Thompson era might need to, to start sooner rather than later. But I think Brown, I mean, for the most part you know, did what he needed to do. And then the, the running game was really there for them. I mean, Travis died. I mean, they, they hit play, big play after big play after big play offensively against and, Arizona. And it's going to be there against Stanford. Um, Stanford's run defense yeah. is awful and yeah. their secondary is, I, I think it's pretty good, but it's not like, here's the thing with Brown Brown so far has not made like any terrible, terrible decisions. And if he if he right. gets two fifty and and two touchdowns in against Stanford, this game's going to be a blowout um, because because Oregon should be able to run the ball and and do enough to to be able to put this game out of reach pretty quickly. Um, I mean, if you take a look at Stanford and and what they were able to do against UCLA, now they are able to throw the ball, which is which I think is fascinating. Um, it's a it's going to be a good matchup against Oregon's secondary, yeah. but I think what, what's Oregon's secondary's squad? Uh, beta rank right now rob 
They're at 46 in effective pass. Um, Fresno was able to throw on them pretty effectively. Ohio State certainly was able to throw on them. Um, I mean, Arizona minus, I mean, McLeod's minus McLeod's hideous <laughs> interception. Um, if you take away his interceptions, he had a decent night. Um, you know, I mean, like, and they were able to move the ball pretty effectively. They, the, I, I think, I mean, I actually like, I, I but here's the, I don't, you're, you're not going to go up against Stanford with, you know, any kind of like soft zone, right? Like that's not going to work. Um, but they got to get, I mean, you got to hope that they get home. Cause like, I got it. Like we, we, and we've seen, I mean, some of what, so it's hardest, like, I mean, this is Arizona where it game four and they played three freaking quarterbacks, like pick somebody. So we can start to figure out what's going on, but <laughs> you know, like, you know, Cruz would hold the ball so dang long. And so would plumber that they would basically generate a pass rush on themselves. Oregon, they got, they definitely got some pressure on McLeod, um, but not as much as you would have expected. I, I think given sort of the stars that they have on that defense and they're really, I, I think if, if they let McKee sit back there, he's going to pick them apart. Yeah, we'll see. I think there was a lot in like, I'd, I'd like to see how many, uh, well, oh, I think well, they score. They're going to outscore Stanford, but this could turn into a shootout. I don't know. I don't, I want to, I want to see it. Um, Cause I think they're just going to sell out on the pass. Stanford's not going to be able, and you get Thibodeau True. back. You don't have, you're going to yeah. get some of the, the, there was a number of linebackers that were out. I think the rush defense is, I mean, the, what does Stanford get? What? 60 yards in this game. Running the football. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if that, I mean, McKee's statuesque. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, I think Oregon tr- controls this game. They're going to be able to move the ball on the ground and that's going to be enough. It's just, can they, can they cover the spread? Um, I think the answer yeah. is probably yes, but the, I think I, I understand why this is at eight because if Stanford does stay in this game, it's going to be through the passing game and they're going to be able to put up points. Um, and it's going to be, yeah. a, it's going to be a grind because they're going to stop the clock every time they throw the ball. So, um, I'm, t- I'm going to take the eight. I, I think, and I've bet this, I think Oregon wins this game. Um, I'm not afraid of uh, the farm. I do think that the farm is an underrated event. Like you talk to any national person, they're like, oh, the farm, nobody shows up. That's true, but it's still home. And, and yeah. I think Stanford plays better at home. But I just think, look, the, I think this Oregon team is a top five team. And I don't think Stanford is a top five team. And what top five teams do is they win these games by more than eight points. So I'll take it. What about you? Yeah. No, and I mean, Oregon right now, they're really suffering because uh, the beta rank right now basically looked at their performance against Arizona and said, oh, well, what if Oregon and Ohio State are actually bad? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, like, they're, they're going to benefit from a good a good performance by the Buckeyes this week, too. But they need to they need to put together a good game against the Stanford team, too. Um, you know, if, if they're because uh, if they go in, I mean, Stanford has played a pretty good, they've got, they've got Kansas state. They played Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's already played Georgia. I mean, the, the model and advanced stats are going to get a good handle. I mean, get an increasingly good handle on this Oregon team coming out of this game. Stanford's, you know, one Oh three and effective rush, you know, Oregon better show up and run the football. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, if, if there's, I mean, this team isn't stupid. Like, like, come on, more, more head isn't going to be an idiot. He's going to, he's going to no. take what, what he gets. And, um, um, 
it, it'll just be up to the secondary to keep this game out of reach. Um, that is the one risk if you're going to take the points. Uh, so you I take. I mean, Rank only has it at seven point one, but I think I'm with you. I think I'm going to go with the Ducks. Like it just, it just feels like I think Oregon's strength in this game is is a bit more dependable. Oh man, we've we have not diverged in this podcast, Rob. That is um, dangerous. Yeah, that's not good. Let's. Uh, we're going to be all wrong. <laughs> we only have. Is there one game left? That's it. It's USC Colorado. Okay. The, uh, um. Well, USC. What a disaster. <laughs> Um, we've already talked about them, and, and we kind of have talked about Colorado being a disaster too. So this, so so answer this question, Rob. Like the Colorado is a seven and a half point underdog at home. I know USC is not like their defense is not good, their offense is not good, <laughs> but right. Colorado can't move the football, man. <laughs> like what 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 do the, the numbers say about this? I mean, I am. It's almost. Uh... It's almost like incompetence porn to watch <laughs> this Colorado offense, which grades out currently at 103 in beta rank. And if you had no preseason weight, might be worse. Um, and they're they're 103 in drive efficiency, 126 in explosive drives, 118 in play efficiency, 105 in negative drives. They're better running the football, 37 in effective rush, but 125 in effective pass. They get a USC defense, which currently grades out at 93 and would probably with no projection be at 93. Um, they're at 49 in drive efficiency, but 124 in explosive drives, 101 in play efficiency, 104 in negative drives. No big run pass split. They stink against both. 87 in effective rush, 96 in effective pass. That is rough. I mean, but like... I mean, just like the the kicker that is just fascinating for me here, Colorado, this is just, this is epic incompetence. They're currently this season against FBS competition at 0.58 points per drive. Most teams, a good number is you are creeping up close to three if you're an excellent offense. Like they are, this is incredibly bad. I just, I think even, I think even a totally lost unit like USC can slow down Colorado's offense. Now, I do think Colorado's going to be able to run the ball a bit against uh, against the Trojans. Yeah, that's what this line looks like. Such a trap, Rob. Seven and a half. You just like, you just think that USC is going to take care of business. But you're right, Colorado will be able to run the ball, um, yeah. and USC is going to be reeling. But they're gonna. I mean, they're just gonna sell out. They could sell out on this. They weren't able to sell out. Who who did we just who they? I mean, you couldn't sell out to stop the run against Oregon State because Nolan was slinging the ball down the field. I think. Yeah. I mean, right. They're just stack the box. Do something, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely stack the the box against Lewis. Why wouldn't you? I mean, what's what do you got to lose? What what's Colorado's uh, pass defense? Third fifty nine. Um, they're at 86 in effective rush. They they really have had some games where teams have been able to run the football somewhat effectively against them. So um, their numbers aren't great defensively right now. Um, uh, and those are likely, I think, going to adjust a bit upward. I think they are better than where they currently are in the preseason or in the in-season data. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think I, I, I mean, it's hard because this, I mean, this USC team just feels like such a mess, but like, I mean, I just, I don't think they have like another three turnover performance here. No. Yeah. 
I, I hate this because I'm looking at my picks and I have Washington, UCLA, Oregon, and USC, all the big name teams I have selected, except for that Washington State game, if that's um, if it ends up being Delora. But you're right. I mean, like if if um if Colorado's secondary is like in the fifties, I mean USC is gonna put put up points. And if they stack yeah. the box, Colorado's not. <laughs> like, right. Um I don't want to mess around with this under because it's at fifty one. I think Colorado might get 14 points. Right. You're right. I mean, if they get, I mean, they get to 21, if they get a pick six, 14, let's say, let's say USC gets 35. That's still the under. I might, I might, mm, I might think about that under, um, but I'm going to take USC. That's so gross. I feel so dirty. Um, but I kind of have to, I just, ugh. this game's at 11 AM. I'm so glad. I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to watch it, but I'm, I mean, you know, I'm going to be like working out or making cookies or something. while I watch this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, I mean, is there anything else to add? It, I mean, we kind of know both of these teams now. I think, I feel like I have a better handle for USC and Colorado than I do some of the other teams in the PAC 12. No, I mean like some of the other teams, like, I mean, I felt like we had a good handle on Oregon and then they went and had the Arizona game. Oh, dude, they, they like, beat oh, it by like man. 70. I know, but I mean, like, 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 but there's, there's something there where you're like, I, I, the thing I think with this Oregon team that gives me creeping suspicion is that defense wasn't that great last year. And I just, I got to see him do it. Yeah. Um, you know, like I got to see him actually show up and play, um, you know, against, I mean, like you're good, you are going to give up points against the Buckeyes. So like, I'm not like, do not, I'm not holding that against them in the least, but um, I need to see this defense show that they can they can be there and hang. Okay. All right. Are you so you're gonna take SC? Oh God, this one's hard. Like just trusting a USC team that feels like they quit. Um <laughs> maybe they haven't, but I mean like USC's all the way down at sixty two in beta rank. Colorado's at ninety one. And USC's a six a little over a six point favorite here on the road this could be well, here's, here's the other thing and it's just it's just so hard to read this game yeah. it just feels like i mean like putting faith in usc is like a really hard decision to do <laughs> it could be an fu game where uh where they just rally right this this team sucks we're usc you want to get to the nfl this is how you do it go out there and win a game <laughs> i'm gonna go with i'm with you i'm going with usc we're we're you know we're in it to win it this week. You and I, I just, I, cause I think push comes to shove. I just, I don't think Colorado is going to figure out this offense at any point this week, this year. I mean, we'll get a shot to find out like this will be one of the worst defenses they faced. So we'll get a shot to find out where color, what Colorado can do. Uh, we're going to have to get friendship bracelets um, <laughs> for this week. <laughs> Picking all the same teams. I, um, and it's like, it's, it's crazy. Is like, there's so many, close games yeah right like that that we're all on the same side on it but like i just i like i like the mat i like the matchups yeah uh you know when, when we go down through here i like the matchups i feel more confident about this week than i did last week even, yeah. though, even though it's favorites and and sometimes there's those weeks now we're talking ourselves into this but i mean sometimes there are those weeks where like the, fa- the favorites just the favorites are better um yeah whatever um all right well let's leave it there rob uh week five 
week five of uh, Pac-12 football. Stay tuned next week. We will do the same thing. We'll review week five, preview week six. And Rob, any uh, you got the Saturday six picked out yet? Yeah, I do. There's there's a lot of really oh, yeah, really awesome good week. games this week. Um, you know, like there's and there are some games that we had to sort of leave by the wayside uh, on there uh, as we did it. So you've got um, Alabama, Ole Miss. Uh, we've got Notre Dame and I missed, or no, we've got Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, um, Texas, TCU. We've got UCLA and um, Arizona State. Uh, and now there's one more that's totally. Anyway, tune in 6 a.m. or catch us on YouTube. It's a it's a very very short advanced stats view. Yeah, and lots of good ones to to tune into this time. By the way, the Alabama Ole Miss over under is eighty. Oh my god! I think I think it got bet down to seventy five or uh, seventy nine, but it did oh, get yeah. up to eighty before it dropped a point, which is just uh, wild. Alabama's going to put up a bazillion yards. <laughs> on. I mean, it, 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 they they could hit like six or seven hundred yards. I kind of want to take the under just to sweat it out, like right, and ha- and, like have it on a whiteboard where I'm just erasing the points as they as they keep going. <laughs> just, just watching like Matt Coral have like eight touchdowns and <laughs> it's it's like looking at that picture in uh, Back to the Future where people just slowly disappear on it, <laughs> like yeah. that's what the points end up being. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, anyway, all right, Rob. Well, thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and we will catch you next week.